Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Um, how personal is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And we touched on a few things last week, and we're going to go back and oh, we're going to continue on from there. One of the things we said that, that we are of a kindred spirit with God. We, we have a personality as well. Uh, and we have the God kind of personality. God wants, to, God wants to relate to us in a very personal way. And he wants us to, to, to talk to him in a very personal way. And to me, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's the real life that he's, he's called us to. So having a personal, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, um, uh, that we are uh, to reflect his image. So that means that we're getting in a position where we can see him and he can see us and we can reflect him. Um, so let's look at a few scriptures uh, we left off with, with last year, that, I mean last time. Uh, look at uh, several scriptures about, about being the image of God, Genesis chapter 1, that we're made in the image of God. And so we're, we're imagers of God. And then the, in the New Testament, uh, since we kind of lost that status of, of, in some ways, we're still the image of God, but we got, we were separated from him. We, we lost that, that, that reflecting, purely reflecting his image. And then in Genesis, and in, in um, the New Testament, uh, let's look at a few scriptures, and this is where we left off at last time. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. I, I made the same mistake again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Let's start at verse 3. Verse 3 says, <clears throat> But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, those whose minds the God of the, this age has blinded. Do not believe who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So here it, it, it tells us that the gospel is for the purpose of the light of the glory of Christ shining on us. And the, the gospel is the light or the goodness of God shining on uh, in Christ Jesus into our hearts. So the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon us. So the good news of God is once we receive Jesus Christ, the good news begins to shine in our hearts. We, we begin to see the image of it in our hearts. And, and Christ is the image of the good God. God is a good God. And so Christ is the image of the good God shining in our hearts. And so he says it's not veiled to us. So that means that if we're not getting a clear image of his goodness, then something is missing. Something, something needs to be repaired, not in our spirit, but in our soul somewhere. We're getting a, a marred image of him. So it's the light of the gospel of the glory of God 
who is the image of God, who is the image of God, Christ is the image of God, should shine on them. Let's look at another scripture here. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. And it says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That Christ is the image of the invisible God. Now, we asked the question last week, where is Christ? Where is Christ? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And, and because we're in Christ, we too are seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's seated on the inside of us, isn't he? he? He's living in us. And so he says he is the image of the invisible, invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In the morning time, uh, my wife does, she has a ritual. She comes out of her, her bathroom after getting, uh, you know, getting ready to go to work. And the first thing she does is she, she'll go and she'll open up the blinds in our bedroom so that the, the light will come in. Well, what was hindering the light from coming in before she opened up the blinds? The blinds themselves. The sun is out there and the sun is shining and all we have to do is open up the blinds. So the blinders on our soul is 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 in our soul, it's, in, it's, it's our mind. Sometimes we can get blinded of his goodness because our soul, and we'll get into that in just a minute, our mind is, is, is like the blinder. It puts a blinder on the image of God on the inside so that we can't fully appreciate just how good God is and experience his love the way he really wants us to experience his love because there's so much that is, that is blinding us from that. Look at uh, some more scriptures here, and then we'll get into our, our subject. Turn to uh, Romans. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans 8 and 29. Verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God actually wants us to look like him and to reflect him in the earth realm. But the only way we can actually reflect him is to be able to see him and to have a personal, personal relationship with him. We can't be something we cannot see. We can't emulate something that we cannot see. We can't experience someone that we cannot see. And so in this particular scripture, the, the, I believe what God is saying to us is that, that he truly wants us to look like, act like, talk like, reign like, live like he lives in the earth realm. 
As, as a matter of fact, I believe he wants us to, to live our lives the way he would live our life if he were living our life. That's what I believe God wants. That God wants us to live our lives the way he would live our lives if he were living our life. But the only way he can actually do that is that we can see him. And we can emulate him. And we can do what he does. How many of you ever worked with someone who knew something better than you knew it and the whole time you were doing it, you were watching them? So they would do something and you would do something. And they would do something else and then you would do something else. Anyone know what an apprentice is? Anyone had an apprentice? Anyone had someone who was, who was sent to look and watch you? And so your job for that person was to be visible to them, right? To be in close proximity with them so that they could do what you do, so they could watch you and do what you do. In some cultures, that's a big thing, having an apprenticeship. Um, you know, you may be a mechanic, and, and, and someone wants to be a mechanic. I know when we were in, in Africa, um, the, the, the shop that we went into where they were making uh, clothing, um, they had about 12, 13 little girls that were working with this young girl, what young lady. She probably was no more than in her early 20s herself, but she had her own, um, her own shop, her own, what do you call it? Um, when you make clothes, what is that? Seamstress. She was a seamstress. And so she had these young ladies in there working with her, and, and they were doing their thing, but they were there to watch her do what she does and for her to guide them because what she was doing is causing them to be conformed into her image so that they can go out and do what she does in another shop somewhere. Some, some of the mechanics, they work for sometimes years with another mechanic just becoming what he is. You know, if he's working on small engine parts, then that's what they work on. If they work on alternators, they work on alternators. If they work on the, 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 um, the fuses, the, 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 what do you call it, the electrical stuff, that's what they work on. They learn that. And, and that's where really has God has called us. He's really called us into a discipleship. We've kind of left it at, at just uh, an early in, uh, an inception, you know, where we just kind of get saved and we just stop right there. But he has far more than that. And that's why I believe a lot of times people get a little uh, resentful with the, with the word is because they don't fully understand it. He's actually trying to work something out in me. It, it's, a very, it's a very Western mindset to think that, that everything ends at the new birth. That there's nothing more to be gained outside of the new birth. But really, the new birth is just the beginning. It is just the beginning of, of conforming. And the work that is involved through the grace of God is ongoing. So we look at this particular scripture here, and we see according to scripture, and, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. 
In other words, he has predestined us to look like, talk like, act like, and to reveal his son in the earth realm. Look at another scripture here. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. <clears throat> Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, how many of you have turned to the Lord? Raise your hand if you've turned to the Lord. It says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, with unveiled faces, the blinders are removed. We are now, remember reflection. Remember with unveiled faces. With unveiled faces, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. With unveiled faces, we are beholding. He's moving over there. He's nodding his head. He's saying... Good job, go for it. Or you knucklehead, which one is it? <laughs> but with unveiled faces, in other words, there's no excuse for us not conforming into his image. He says, with unveiled faces, we are beholding the glory, the goodness of God. We get to see the goodness of God. Unlike Moses, unlike, well, unlike the people that were with them, they had to veil their faces. They could not look upon God. But we can. We can see the goodness of God. We can see the glory of God. We can see the power of God. We can see all of that makes God who he is by looking down on the inside. That's what our pursuit should be. Our pursuit is... God, I, God, I'm going to stay right here until I can see you clearly. And so in order for that to happen, there's a whole lot of other things we have to ask ourselves. If my face is unveiled, yet I'm not fully experiencing all that God put it down here for me to experience, what is the problem? Why am I not able to experience him? Why is there still a bell? Why am I not getting, why is everybody else happy over there and I'm not? Why, why is everyone else uh, talking about they, God spoke to them and God speaks to them and he's not speaking to me? How come they're getting, you know, this crying and I'm not crying? How, how come they're joyful and I'm not joyful? How come they're, they're at peace and I'm not at peace? There is nothing, there, there are no super unequal Christians out there. There are not Christians out there who don't have access to God like other Christians have access. There are those who want it more. There are those who desire it more. There are those who, who, are, who, are, who are contending for it. And that is the difference. There are no super saints. 
They're just saints. They're just saints. They're just people who are saints, who have been set apart unto God, who just desire to look at even more, who are contending. You know, I don't have a veil over my face, so if there's something there, i got to figure out what it is so I can get it out of the way because I need to experience him. The challenge in, in relationship, really the challenge that we have many times in relationship is the, the ability to know the other person. One person said it this way. I think I, we, sh- we shared out of his book. I can't remember. Uh, I think his name is Bill Thrall. And uh, he was talking about uh, he and his wife took him one day and she drove, um, uh, drove and said, I need you to ride with me. And he was like, okay, what's, what's up? He said, he said, he got out there and she parked the car and she said, she says, I, I, I'm, I'm done with you, pretty much. I'm paraphrasing. He says, well, what, what, why? He says, because you won't let me love you. He says, you won't let me love you. He was like, what do you mean I won't let you love you? He was saying, you won't let, you, you've got a crusty layer on you that you won't let me touch. Everybody with me? You've got a crusty layer. You've got a, you've got a layer on you that, that you won't, you won't, you, you have separated that from me. I can't touch you. I want to touch you with my love, but you want to let me touch you with my love. You, you won't allow your, your mind to be renewed so that you can really see me and I can really see you. You won't let that in. And that becomes a challenge. That becomes a, a, a problem in any kind of relationship and in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Is when there are things, no matter what our, our, our life has been like before, no matter what kind of a, abuse you've suffered, no matter what kind of challenges you've gone through, you have to get that out of your soulless realm so that you can, you can behold Him and see Him and touch Him. And know that he loves you. I'm certain that God is frustrated with the inability to love us the way he really wants to love us. Look at this. Nevertheless, let's turn it. When, he, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Amen. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So if there is not freedom in our life, then we have not beheld His glory the way we need to behold His glory. So that means I'm, 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 I'm keeping, I'm moving on. I, you know, I, I've got to get to a place where I'm free, 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 free. Because he says I'm raised together. You've got to get to a Wednesday Bible study tape. I'm, I'm alive, I'm raised up, and I'm seated together with Christ Jesus. The greatest frustration in the world is to be with someone you cannot touch. To ever be around someone and never, ever experience anything personal from them. That's got to be the epitome of frustration right there. I'm with you all the time, but we have nothing personal. There's nothing that moves us. There's nothing that causes us even a little spark every now and then, a little fire, a little, little contention even. At least we know that we're alive. To be with someone all your lives, even in Christendom, what religion tells us to do is religion says, just keep on doing what you've been doing. If you never feel anything, it's okay. No, it's not okay. 
It's not okay. We, we should, in our inner man, we should have a relationship where we feel something from God, where we hear something from God, where we attest to something from God. Otherwise, our singing is in vain. Our going to church is in vain. Everything we do has no purpose because we have nothing personal How would you like to go to the movies with your spouse and not talk about the movie? You know what I'm saying? Like, never talk about, never ever talk about, you know, did, did you like, did you like, no, no, you, you want to experience life with the person. You want to have true fellowship. See, none of us falter in the area of relationship. Relationship is easy. I, I'm related to all my children. Every one of them, I'm related to them. They have my blood in them. They have my genetic coding. The good-looking ones. The other ones have their mama's genetic coding. <laughs> they, have, they have me in them. But I don't want just to be related to my children. I want to know my children. You understand? I want to know them. I want to know them. When Gabriel came, come here, Kim, Kim stand up for a second. When Gabriel came around me yesterday and he just looked at me and he said, he just grabbed me like this. Oh, man, you don't know what that did for me. You don't know what that did for me. For him to look at me and say, Daddy, thank you. He said, I love you, Daddy. That's what he said. He said, I love you. Boy, I ain't need nothing else that day. Because there was a time when that wasn't the case. Not that he didn't love me. He just didn't know how to appreciate me. He didn't know how to see me. He had to grow through a cultivation of relationship. He had to grow into that place where he could just come up beside me and, and show that appreciation. I'm still working on the rest of them. <laughs> Katie's coming along. She's coming along, I must say. Katie will... Katie will respond to me at any time. I call her, she'll respond. I text her, she responds immediately. Gabe, uh, Joel will do something like that. The rest of them, not so much. But, but how many of you understand what I'm talking about? Does that not, does that not, what, do we need anything else as a parent? Do we, don't need not, we, we don't need no money. We don't need nothing for Father's Day or Mother's Day or anything else. We just need, we, would you just call me every now and then? Can I just call you every night? Can we just have an intelligible re relationship? Can we just be personal every now and then? Well, what would make us, what would make God any different from us? That's what he wants. Oh, Daddy, I'm waking up this morning, and before I go out on my job, I just want to say, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Father. You mean everything to me. And, and I want to know you more, so I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to read about you, creator. My daddy's a creator. He created everything. And the more we get to know about him, there's something in us that just comes alive. Something in us just gets excited. We just, you know, you know and, and we can't, unless you're having this experience, we can't quite get it over to you what that is like. All we, all we can say is we beg you to come and be a part of it as well. 
Listen to some more things here. He says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what I've experienced. That when I'm with him, there, there is a, there is a, there's a wonderful, everything's all right. Let's look at a few more scriptures here. So we are reflecting his image. He is conforming us into his image. And, and, and here's some things. Look at this. Let's turn to John chapter 17 and verse 3. John chapter 17. This is a powerful scripture. Uh, John 17, 17 verse 3 Without a personal, and we've talked about this, without a personal, personal relationship, we never fully or adequately reflect Christ because we never, we never re reflect freedom. John 17, verse 3. This is a powerful scripture right here. How many of you remember um, Calgon? The Calgon commercials, anyone? You got to kind of be a certain age to get to know the Calgon commercials. You know, Calgon, and I never had, I never, I don't think I ever had Calgon, but I was, I was, I wanted to find out if it really worked. <laughs> so in the Calgon commercials, if you remember, uh, all kinds of things are going on in the house, but, but if you could just take your Calgon bath, everything Everything around you was going on, but Calgon, take a Calgon bath, and when you take that Calgon bath, you're just away. It, 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 take it. Take me, away. take me. That's the name of it. Take me away. Was there, a, was there a theme song? How does it go? Calgon, take me away. I mean, what's, what's the sound? I mean, do you know the song? There was no song? Just, just Calgon, take me away. Anyway. <laughs> that's, that's what God wants to do with us in his word. And you know, you know people who have been taking Calgon baths. Now, now, I don't really know that, but what I'm saying is, you know when people have been in the presence of God, have been spending time with God. Because their countenance changed. And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a fragrance about them. There, there's something about them that knows that everything's all right. That that person has been in a place and stays in a place and continues to be in that place. John 17 verse 3 says this. And this is the eternal life. Say, say this with me. And this is eternal life. Now let's just stop right there for just a minute. What is this? And this is eternal life. It is a what? I don't know if it is that is in you English majors. Is that also a, a definite article? What is it called? I know it's not like, but it's like, it's like the, but it's not the. And this is eternal life. Can you put that up in the New King James Version? It says, and this is eternal life. 
So what is the this here, English majors? It's a what? A demonstrative? A demonstrative. I'm going to go with you. Demonstrative. We're going to go with demonstrative. But in this case, whatever it is, it's alluding to that there's something that is singular and there's not others. There's not anything else outside of the this. Can I say it that way? Is that, is that explained? Is it, does that make sense? In other words, there's, there's not, I don't even know what the other word would be, but this, he says this, this, this is the way to Asheville. This is the way to Hickory. This is the way to my house. This is this. In other words, definitely this is the way to go. Now listen, and we miss this all the time. I don't, I, and all of us, myself included, we can get fooled into thinking that there is, there is, uh, this is a way to eternal life. Which would, which would mean that there would be other ways. And, and when most people hear eternal life, what are we thinking? What, what, what are we thinking when we think eternal life? What do you think? What? Forever in heaven. That's what most people are thinking, forever in heaven. And that's not wrong, but it's not complete. He says, this is eternal life. What, what is it? Joe, you know what it is. What is it? What is eternal life? It's the God kind of life. And this is the God kind of life. In other words, this, this, this is the life that you were made for. This is the real life here. In other words, all the other forms of life are not this eternal life. It's not the God kind of life. It's not the life that you were made for. The goats were made for it. The cows were made for it. The dogs were made for it even. But we humans were made for this kind of eternal life. Our existence is not just in, in what we can get. Our, our lives are more than that. Our lives are based upon this God kind of life. And, and we are the only ones that can really have this kind of life. The God kind of life. He says this is the real life. This is the life that you and I were made for. This is the kind of soil that we were made to be sown into. This is the God kind of life. This is eternal life. And he says... To know God. To know, what does it say? And this is eternal life. This is the Zoe. This is the God kind of life that we may know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. So guess what? If we're not spending time getting to know God, we're not spending time getting to know the real life. We're not spending time with the food, as it were, that causes us to have the real kind of life. So we say, well, why am I frustrated? Because you don't have the real life. Why am I upset all the time? Why, don't I have lack, why am I lacking peace? Because I don't have the real life. I don't have the God kind of life. And the only way we can convince you that the God kind of life is better than the other kind of life is that you for yourself get the God kind of life. 
Otherwise, you will, you will talk yourself, we will talk ourselves out of this other life. And no one can convince you otherwise until you taste and see that the Lord is good. And we'll chase everything. We'll go after this. We'll, we'll think, well, maybe the God kind of life is a, is a new car. Nothing wrong with a new car. Plan to have one one day. Nothing wrong with it, but that's not, but that's not Zoe. That's not the God kind of life. Well, maybe if I just look good, every time I, every time I come out, I want to look good. And if I look good, then, then I'm all right. No, that's not, that's not the God kind of life. Well, maybe if I just eat, 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 and eat, and eat until I can't eat no more, maybe that will be the God kind of life. No, all of those things are substitutes. Those are things that we are hoping they, they will possibly be what gives us satisfaction. And at the end of the day, we all know, we all know that none of those things outside of God really make us satisfied. Am I right? How many of you, listen, listen, how many of you um, were of, of this opinion? Well, um, if I just get married, things are going to be better. Anyone? <laughs> yeah, if I just get married, you know, if I just get married, things are going to get better. They're going to get better. And nothing against the wife, nothing against the, the husband. It's just that sometimes we think that if, if I just get married, things will be better. And what we find out, you know, two weeks into it, No. This is not the answer. How many of you say, well, if I, if I have children, you know, the, the marriage ain't going so hot, but if I have children, it'll help me. It'll help out the marriage. Don't answer this question. But how many of you like, it, it, it'll, it'll be better when the children come? No. No, no it, it isn't. That because they're not life. Our children are not life. Our spouse is not life. And it's, un, it's, un, it's, it's not right for me to project the eternal life need out on someone who doesn't have it. Kim can never give me eternal life. Because eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus. That's the eternal life. It's not knowing Kim. It's not knowing my four children. It's not knowing my job. It's not knowing my hobbies. It's not knowing any of those things. What true life comes from is knowing God. Knowing God. We deceive ourselves into thinking that there's something else out there that's going to somehow make me all right, somehow make me satisfied. But it is that person who quickly attains that nothing outside of knowing him is going to make me really okay. So now, when I spend time in the place of knowing God and getting to know him and know him more, guess what? It, it affects my relationship with my wife. Because now I'm living off the Zoe as opposed to the phileo. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? I'm living off of, the, uh, off, of, off, of, off of God's sustenance and not anything else. To know God is real life. In order for us to go in life and to really be what God called us to be, is to know him. Let me just touch on a couple of things and we are done for the day. All right? One, more, one, one or two more things. Um, listen to this. And this, 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 this will be um, Romans chapter 12, real quick. Romans chapter 12. Everybody still with me? 
So where, where is the work at? What do I need to do? What do I need to do to be, really begin to experience him in my life? Romans chapter 12. Very, very familiar scripture. You've seen it a hundred thousand times. But it says this, and do not be conformed to this world. In other words, the world also has an image. And so when we talk about be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, we're going to either be conformed to one image or the other image. It says, but don't, do not be conformed or don't look at the image of the world. Don't be conformed after the image of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in other words, there's two things going on. There's something going on in my spirit, man, and, and there's something going on in my mind. The only one that is fixable, the only one that can be fixed is my mind because my mind through many years has been conforming to the image of this world. Talk like, look like, has began to reason like the world. He says, but if you want to know what is the good, if you really want to know the good thing, the eternal life, the good thing, then we have to go and we got to start working on our mind. We have to be willing to say that my mind is damaged. That might be hard for some people to say. Our minds have been damaged. Our minds are not what they should be. So we have to work on them. We have to, we have to allow God by his spirit to begin to renew the way we've been taught to think. And that's no easy chore. It takes a little time to get all of the dents out. It takes some time to, 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 to remove all of the stuff that we've been taught to think. And, and it's nothing against anyone in our past or in our, it's just, it's just the way it is. The, 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 the more we are under the pressure of something, the more we are conforming. That's why it takes the grace of God to, to reshape us because we don't have to be conformed to it. Last scripture I'm going to share with you, and then we, we are definitely done. Be conformed, and we'll get into more of that, so don't worry about how that works. It, We'll get into that in just a, in a, as we move on. But the last thing I want you to see is to, uh, first, Second Corinthians chapter ten. That one more scripture. Second Corinthians chapter ten and verse four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Stop right there. Stop right there. Just go back on ten four. It says. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Here's what I know about George Logan. Is that there are some things about George Logan that are strongholds. That take a whole lot of work of the word of God to begin to get me to transform. Now, the transformational process is what I've understood is not from information. It's through the next scripture. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Next one. It says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, stop right there. Here's, here's what I have to do to begin conforming. 
I got to spend time just over and over again pounding these thoughts, pounding them, you know, fighting with them even, you know, taking the word of God and it hit me and I hit it back. Hit, 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 and we just keep on fighting until one of us gives up. Day in and day out, just... Go to bed, wake up in the middle of the night having the thoughts and go to war, go to fight. Because my goal is I want to see him. I want to see where the liberty is. I know it's there, but it's got to go through some stuff in my mind. And I've got to be willing, I've got to be willing to, to accept correction. got to be willing to, to, to receive correction when people are trying to say, you know, George, you've you got a stronghold there. I, sometimes I journal and I'll, I'll, I'll talk to myself in the journal, well, what, why, what created that action? Well, that action was created out of a particular stronghold. So I need to go work on that stronghold. How do I work on it? The weapons I've been for are not carnal, but mighty through God through the word of God to pull in down strongholds. So I take the word of God and I begin to, I'll stop and I'll begin to work on it. The scripture, the song that they sung this morning was out of a battle. You're my glory and the lifter up of my head. I was feeling kind of down. My head was down. I was feeling kind of condemned and kind of, kind of uh, sorry for myself. Self-pity. You know, self-pity is not of God. Self-pity is pitiful. And so I was feeling kind of down, and you know how we kind of want to wallow in the downness? I said, and God said, no, I, I'm your glory, boy. I'm the lifter up of your head. And I started singing it, and I sang it, and I sung it, and sang it. And I've been singing it ever since. And I'm so glad that they picked up on it this morning and, and sung that song. It's you're my glory. It comes from a place. The Psalms, their Psalms are songs, songs, Psalms. And if you read the Psalms, you'll see them start out one way where they're self-pity. David is just, he's just, he's just having a pity party. And then he'll change over and begin to encourage himself. And we have to learn to do the same thing. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.